Welcome to the Experience Christian Church Message Podcast. We are a church startup based out of Exton, Pennsylvania, committed to giving the community a fresh start with God and with church. Our mission is to help people experience God's love in a practical way. We would love to connect with you. Would you text ECC info to 94000 or go to our website, experiencecc.org for more information and to learn how you can be a part of our community. Enjoy today's message. So a little boy, he went over to a pastor's house to play with the pastor's son, but he seemed to be paying more attention to what was happening in the garage than the game he was playing with a friend in the driveway. Inside the garage, there was a pastor. He was hard at work on a carpentry project, but this little guy, he was focused on the pastor. He simply stood there staring. The preacher wondered why he was watching him and was finally so curious that he stepped back and said, son, are you trying to pick up some pointers on how to build something? And the little boy replied, no, I'm just waiting to hear what a preacher says when he hits his thumb with a hammer. What that little guy was doing was performing a fruit inspection of sorts. I hope you found good fruit that day. We know when you go to a produce stand to purchase fruit, what do you expect to find on the shelves? And the answer, of course, is fresh, ripe fruit. Take a minute and process this apple with me. Describe it. This apple is a pink lady. It's asymmetrical. It's a vivid green here, and it flows into a pink, and then ultimately turns into a red from where the sun struck it. It's crunchy. Hear that crunch? It's fantastic. It has a tart taste with a sweet finish. And we could use descriptive adjectives that we can all agree on to describe this delicious piece of fruit. It may not have been the best idea. Everyone gets the concept of a healthy piece of fruit. When you see this picture, I give you the choice of this apple or the one in that picture, which one are you going to choose? If you went to a produce stand and saw a shelf full of those rotten ones, you'd probably never return to that produce stand, right? Well, a follower of Jesus should be known by their fruit. This isn't my words, these are Jesus. He said that we can know his followers, that we can know who follows Jesus by the fruit they produce. What we've been saying over and over again in this 10-week series is that good fruit is the byproduct of a relationship with God. Paul was a follower of Jesus, and we've been focusing on his words throughout this series found in Galatians 5, 22-23. This is the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And he goes on to say there is no law against these things. What he's talking about is good fruit. This is what we want to be known for, or at least what we should want to be known for. We want to be known for our love towards God and others. A joy that isn't dependent on our circumstances, but is constant. We like to have peace, even in the midst of chaos. Patience when our peace is disrupted. Kindness and goodness in the midst of harshness and cruelty. To be faithful, even when we find that we're betrayed. And gentle when we would rather be forceful. And lastly, to have self-control when we want to give in to our impulses. This list is what I would want to be known for as a husband, as a father, as a friend, as a pastor. Now, admittedly, perfection will not be accomplished this side of heaven, but I should be able to see progress over time. Not because I'm solely trying harder, but rather I'm allowing God's Spirit to work in me. That's why Paul says that the Holy Spirit is producing this fruit in our lives. And as we've been saying week after week, this isn't about taking charge, taking the bull by the horns, trying harder, but rather we are working with God. 
allowing ourselves to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you don't invite God into this journey by producing fruit, you will become a miserable follower of Jesus or you will abandon Christianity altogether. Well, why? Because there is nothing more miserable than pursuing the impossible. You cannot achieve this fruit on your own. If you're here for the first time, this has been one of the analogies we've clung to. It involves this power strip. If you've seen it eight times now, I'm sorry, you have to watch it again. <laughs> if you're setting up your entertainment center in your living room, and you go to plug in your TV, your Apple TV, your Roku, your cable box, your Google Next, and then your Xbox, you have all that plugged in, and then you reach, and you're like, oh, where should I plug this in at? You're like, oh, you know what, I'll just plug it in right here. Well, that would be foolish. Nothing would happen. But this is a great analogy when we try to accomplish these attributes on our own to produce this kind of fruit. We've also explored that this isn't easy. We fight to remain plugged in. We get distracted. We want to go our own way, and so we unplug it and go off and do our own thing at times. We do things in our own strength. And there lies the challenge. There's the battle. While the Holy Spirit wants to produce those things within us, there's this inner struggle that wants to rebel against the Holy Spirit. Paul discusses this battle a few verses earlier in verses 16 and 17. He says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You know, it's essential that each of us understand that we're in a battle, a constant battle. We have this bent towards selfishness. We want an easy path. We like instant gratification. And ultimately, we self-sabotage the efforts of God in us. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you believe God's Spirit can help you change or not, let's all admit, we cannot even keep our promises to ourselves. We create standards that we're incapable of keeping. How many times have you said, this is the last time, or I'll never do that again, starting tomorrow, then we fill in the blank. You know the struggle is real. Our desires always seem to get in the way of the things we're, really, we're truly striving after. This tug of war is intense, and we find ourselves in a battle. We want to go after a good thing, but we find ourselves compromising and settling for less than. Do you find yourself willing to compromise your standards in order to be accepted? Do you laugh at things that really aren't that funny? Do you go places that you don't want to go, wear things you don't like in order to be accepted? Have you gossiped? You put someone else down in order to feel or look better about yourself? Does your pursuit of pleasure sabotage the goals that really matter to you? Do you find yourself scrolling through social media, playing games, indulging in habits that bring you a temporary sense of joy within your heart? You know it's a cheap substitute for the thing or goal that you really wish to accomplish. You know, do you find yourself having desires for sexual pleasure outside the boundaries of God's will? Is your biggest pursuit wealth and security? Is that what you desire? You like the idea of being generous and giving, but you feel the need to control and save? Maybe you desire achievement. Inside, you wonder if you have any worth at all, so you look to accomplishments to prove to yourself that you're worthy. You sacrifice relationships because of your quest for performance. You said, I'll be there at 5 o'clock. That you take off on Saturday, but instead you squeeze out a little bit more production. Maybe you desire to be known, to be popular. So you seek to be noticed at any cost. You'll do anything to get some attention, a few more followers, even if it goes against your moral compass. Maybe you desire and are obsessed over your appearance. So you devote hours to the gym or dieting or fashion. 
Maybe you'll do anything in order to be happy. You'll take anything, you'll go anywhere, you'll spend any amount just on this pursuit of happiness. Maybe you desire control. Do you find it impossible to follow someone else or a different leader because you cannot trust anyone and, and let them be behind the wheel? Well, I hope some of these examples hit you somewhere with something that you're struggling with. If not, hopefully your struggle came to mind because we each have one. We each struggle with our desires that wage war within us. Today, we are addressing the final description of the fruit of the Spirit in Paul's list, and we're addressing self-control. We know what it's like to lose control of ourselves, to see a crack in our character when we lose a battle, to be shocked when we flip out or we lose our cool, our filters breached and we say words that we wish that we could take back because it felt so much damage. Perhaps in a moment of weakness, we overindulged, which led to a poor decision, which led to a lot of regret. It's so sad, the truth, that a moment can destroy a lifetime of work. You know, an essential virtue is needed in these times, and it's self-control. All the talent in the world, if not paired with strong character, will leave us wrecked. Now, self-control isn't uniquely a Christian ideal. Being able to control one's desire has been a virtue trumped by anyone striving for success. If you go to Amazon.com and type in self-control, and you'll have 20,000 book recommendations right away. Type self-control into Google, and 2.8 billion results will come up in three quarters of a second. Benjamin Franklin, in his autobiography, he lists 13 virtues worthy of pursuit, and he begins his list with temperance, another term for self-control. There, he insists that without temperance, no one has the coolness and clearness of head to master the other 12 virtues he goes on to list. Self-control has been addressed for thousands of years. Ancient Greek philosophers such as Socrates, he considered self-control to be the foundational human virtue. He thought if someone was constantly being overcome by their passions and desires, they could never attain any significant level of virtue. Buddhism, he teaches that the root of all human suffering and dissatisfaction is unbridled desire. And in the midst of a discussion on self-control, we can find ourselves at an impasse if we do not define self-control within the confines of a Christian worldview. If we turn to ourselves to control ourselves, what will we find? We will not find the peace we desperately desire. We will find more of ourselves. Striving to muster up and produce the things that any God's Spirit can produce in us is doomed to fail. As we wrap up this series, I'm excited to explore the concept of self-control through the lens of a text written by Peter, a man known for his impulsivity, a man known to speak before react, to step out of a boat before contemplating just exactly what was on the other side and what he was doing. And as we explore this text, we will look at some statements that I believe will help us process self-control through the lens of being empowered by God's Holy Spirit. Let's begin by reading the text in its entirety, and then we'll break it up into three sections, each containing a point of discussion. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love everyone. 
The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The first statement I want to make regarding self-control is, self-control is empowered by God's Spirit. As we try to control ourselves by ourselves for the sake of ourselves, again, guess what we find? We find more of ourselves. Maybe a slightly improved version, but at what cost? As we explored earlier, Paul says we are in a constant tug of war with ourselves. God's Spirit is working in us against the very nature within us that seeks to rebel against God. The struggle is real. That's why Peter's words are so powerful. He says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. If self-control is accomplished, by His divine power. It gives us a couple things we need to live a decently, slightly mediocre life. I'm teasing. Peter says God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. We receive this by coming to know Him. We are given promises that enable us to live out the fruits we've been discussing. What kind of promises might Peter be talking about in this verse? Well, these are promises spoken by God that keep us grounded when life gets hard. Here are a few of my favorites. One is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And can do all things is more like, I can endure all things through Christ who gives me strength. I like to be reminded that God will never leave me nor forsake me. That I can have joy in the midst of hard times because God says all of it will be worked out for good. That Jesus said, in this world I will find trouble. But take heart, he's overcome the world. I don't need to be surprised by hardship. Also, when I'm heartbroken, it's nice to know that Jesus is near. And that I should take all my burdens to him because he cares for me. It's good to know that in eternity, all will be made right. And when facing temptation, I like to recall God's promise in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Paul says there, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you're tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. When it comes to self-control... I'm promising from that verse that Jesus will show me a way out. Notice he doesn't drag me out, shove me out. Rather, he shows me a way out. He provides me with an exit strategy. And it's so important to know that we are not alone in our temptations. We have God's powerful spirit available to us. If you feel you cannot win the battle against your flesh on your own, congratulations, you're on the right track to surrendering and being empowered by Jesus. Let's read on from Peter's text in verse 5. In view of all this, Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. From these verses, we learn self-control can be developed. Peter speaks to us directly and calls us to make every effort to respond to God's promises. 
This goes back to this divine partnership that we've been discussing throughout the series. You cannot produce this kind of fruit on your own, in your own strength. But you cannot sit back and expect God to do it for you. It's his strength matched with your willingness. In an agrarian sense, the plant is God's business, providing the sun and the water. It's God's work. But cultivating the soil, eliminating the weeds, this is the kind of work we do in this partnership. Peter gives us a list to focus on here. He says faith. It's a foundational Christian virtue. And by faith, we enter into a relationship with God. But this faith, this faith should grow and turn into action. That's moral excellence. It's also translated goodness, living with purity. Knowledge, which in this context is knowing God's will for our lives when we face situations in life. Self-control is next. That's what we're exploring today. It's the ability to overcome temptations from the flesh that have the right and the ability to derail us. Patient endurance, also called perseverance, is the ability to withstand trials and hardships. Godliness is living out God's divine nature. And brotherly kindness and love, they revolve how we care and commit ourselves to one another. And this list is sometimes taught as a sequence, but this is more of a style writing used by Peter. These are areas that we can use and fluctuate and, and develop, not in necessarily this order, but all things worth focusing on. Again, we're relying on God, but we make every effort, as Peter says, to respond to God's promises. Our disciplines and habits, they have a huge effect on our self-control. John Hartberg has a saying I really appreciate. He says, habits eat willpower for breakfast. Theologian N.T. Wright, he says, Virtue is what happens when wise and courageous choices become second nature. The key to self-control in living a holy life isn't simply to outbattle every temptation we face. No, we have the ability to build healthy, God-honoring habits into our lives. Brace yourselves, I'm going to say the D word. Disciplines. Disciplines are out of the very nature of being a disciple. Paul said this about training. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You know, Paul lays it all out there. This isn't a haphazard journey of, eh, I'll do a little bit of something. I'll just try to be a little better than the next guy. No, this is real. This is real training. He said, I has purpose in every step. He disciplines his body, training to do what his body should do. This week, I watched an interview with Special Forces agents, and they talked about just how hard they trained and how many unique situations they put themselves in so that they would instinctively know how to react on the battlefield. The same is true for athletes, right? I read an article on self-control this week, and the author, he cited two golfers in particular, Gary Player and Chichi Rodriguez. The article said Gary Player, one of the most successful international golfers of all time, he lost count of how many times someone would come up to him and say, I'd give anything if I could hit a golf ball like you. Well, after one particularly grueling day on the links, Player couldn't resist correcting the person. He said, no, you wouldn't. You'd give anything to hit a golf ball like me if it were easy. Player then listed the things one would have to do in order to achieve this level of play. You've got to get up at five o'clock in the morning, go out and hit a thousand golf balls, walk into the clubhouse to put a bandage on your hand where it started bleeding, then go and hit another thousand golf balls. That's what it takes to hit a golf ball like me. Pretty intense, right? Another professional golfer, Chichi Rodriguez, he put it this way. He said, preparation through steady practice is the only honest avenue to achieving your potential. So what kind of training or steady practice 
do we should we do in the Christian context? How can we develop our self-control? What kind of preparation should we be doing to hone it, to increase our self-control? Honestly, it's a very customized journey. Disciples of, disciples of Jesus are handcrafted, not mass-produced. Yet there are some common things that can assist us on our journey. One thing is acknowledging that God is interested in our entire lives, not a section or compartment of it. He doesn't care what we do for an hour on Sunday. He cares about our entire life. And we need to be interacting with God and His Word on a daily basis, letting it fill our minds, renewing our minds. And now more than ever, at any point in history, we can enjoy it in so many different ways. While preparing for this message, in addition to reading a couple commentaries, I read a dozen blog posts, a message by Dr. Charles Stanley about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Then I listened to a Francis Chan message, and he talked about the need for an intimate relationship with God. I kid you not, I had this little sob fest in the basement with Jesus as I was processing that message about God's grace, and I had such gratitude for God's faithfulness. When we subject ourselves to God's Word, when we listen to message, when we reflect on His goodness by worshiping Him in song, when we talk to Him in prayer, the more time we spend with God, the more we will love Him. And the closer we are to God, the more we allow the Holy Spirit to develop our relationship with Him and produce fruit. Your prayers become these honest heart conversations. They're not prescriptive performances where we try to impress God with elegant language. Perhaps this analogy would be helpful. Back in student ministry days, we would hand someone an aluminum can and say, can you crush this? And of course, they would take the can and demolish it. They would feel so strong because it was empty. And then we would hand them a full one. And we'd say, can you crush this one? They would squeeze it and squeeze it. And I should be careful, I don't actually do that. The point is, a Christian empowered by the Holy Spirit cannot be crushed. A Christian void of faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, love, they'll be crushed easily, and they won't be able to bear any fruit. As we read this last section of Scripture we're covering today, let's be mindful of the last point. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so in closing, Peter's saying self-control demands us to think long-term. You know, self-control requires us to think beyond the here and now, the immediate. Peter is saying that a failure to develop the qualities listed, including self-control, it's a direct result of being short-sighted or blind, which in this case is willfully choosing not to see the predictable outcome of the future. It's choosing to wallow in our mud, stay in the pit, refuse to clean up our act because we prefer the temporal satisfaction we get by achieving these temporary desires. Maybe we haven't been caught yet, so it appears we're getting away with it. Maybe we haven't received the bill in the mail yet, so we keep spending. But we would be wise to re-examine the words of Paul found in Galatians 6-7. There he says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from the sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Friends, you know this. You don't plant seeds when you're hungry. And if you ignore that little weed that's growing up next to the plant that's trying to give you fruit, it has the ability to choke out that plant that's trying to give you the fruit you desire. Peter's making it clear. Allowing God to work in us is hard work. 
It's not always easy, but it's worth it. This whole series points to the fact that we do not exist in this world to bring glory to ourselves, but rather we exist to bring glory to God. This life prepares us to live the life we've always wanted, an eternity spent with God full of everlasting life, a life full of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So friends, when you find yourselves in a fight, when you're discouraged, when you're hard-pressed, call out to God in those moments and choose to walk in step with the Spirit. Develop in the disciplines today that will assist you tomorrow and consider the outcome of the, your decisions. Is the temporary pleasure worth the future regret? It's not, friends. Invite God into this space. Pray for his strength to increase your self-control. And let's pray together. Father God, we are so thankful for your indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That God, you don't call us to be good or any of these other fruit things on our own efforts. But rather, God, we have to come to you, to plug into you, to allow you to empower us to live out these qualities. And so God, as we think through this partnership, help us to rely more on you, to be more faithful to you, to call on you, not just to be saved, but God, to live as if we're saved, to produce this good fruit. We love you and we're thankful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope something you heard today will draw you closer to God and encourage you to know Him better. If you found this message podcast helpful, please subscribe, write a review, and consider sharing it with someone else. If there is anything we can do for you, a question we could talk through with you, a prayer we could say on your behalf, or a need you have, please don't hesitate to let us know. We are better together. Please connect with us soon. Take care.